So we have the opportunity to uh, celebrate some birthdays today. And there are two people in the room today that have the same birthday. And uh, they're both very, very uh, dear to our church, very important part of our ministry here. And uh, so I've asked these two people uh, to each share their testimony today. Um, I shared a little bit of my testimony last week. Um, and this really comes on the heels of what Jesus said uh, in the wake of the woman at the well. He shared with her, she ran back to town, and her testimony was really short. It was just, come see a man that told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? That's it. That was her testimony. And in spite of the fact that she was so ashamed that she was a half a mile from her house drawing water, maybe in the middle of the day, uh, because, you know, she'd been through some serious relationship problems. Let's just put it that way. I shared that already. Um, she ran back to town and they all listened to her and they all came running back. Um, or maybe they walked back fast, I don't know. But in any event, uh, she had a story to tell and it was her story that drew those people to Jesus. You have a story to tell. And I want you to hear the story of these two people and you you know, probably know them well. Uh, if you don't, then you need to get to know them well. Um, the two people that share the birthday today are Heather Reisinger and Craig Wilson. So um, I have it on good authority that uh, Heather's favorite cake is not a cake, but she likes tiramisu. So I got some tiramisu from Sam's and it looks really good. That's gonna be your cake. And Craig, I baked your cake and it looks like Shiloh did it. So it's really, <laughs> he's got a mother-in-law that can make cakes, that makes cakes professionally. So he's gonna be like, oh, no. but I think it will taste good because I have it on good authority that you like lemon something with chocolate icing. So. That's what I made, lemon something with chocolate icing. And yeah, so. Um, so I, you know, we'll sing happy birthday to them and eat a little bit of cake and tiramisu after the service is over. But I wanted to show you this picture. Uh, put that picture up there, if you will. That is Heather Sutton, now Heather Reisinger. And that is the day that I met her, which was the first day this church started. July 4th, 1999. And what were you, 19 then? 20? Yep. Like I said, Autumn, she, she is, was your age right there. And that was, uh, that was the first time she visited uh, our church, and she hasn't stopped visiting yet. So it's pretty awesome. So I'm going to let her uh, share her story with you, and uh, I think that you'll be blessed. Come on up, Heather. Oh, man. Okay. So... That's a good starting point. Oh my gosh, this girl right there in that picture. Um, okay, so Daryl, uh, Pastor Daryl's been talking about uh, BC, AD. Uh, recently, I think it was last Sunday we were talking about. Um, so I'm going to try and um, share my life before Christ. Um, the woman at the well, you said, had a really short testimony, and mine will be very hard to make short. <laughs> but um, basically, I grew up um, not going to church. Um, we went to church on, um, we went to Catholic church on Christmas and Easter. And I know there's nicknames for people like that, <laughs> but my dad grew up Catholic. And so he felt like we, he would at least take us um, on Christmas and Easter on those holidays. And the time before I came to Christ, um, I did decent in school. I made decent grades. I was a cheerleader. I was in the theater. Um, but I was 
very selfish. I was a, I was a hot mess. And when I graduated, um, I went to college and decided that I needed to chase chaos. I needed to chase extremes and I needed to find my identity. I needed to figure out who I was. I was looking for meaning everywhere. Um, I dated serially. I was always dating somebody, always, 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 always. And um, it got to the point where I was letting everyone else think for me. Um, all my opinions came from someone else. I just kind of floated around and um, started going to raves and was doing all kinds of things that you do at raves. Um, my sons are in the room and <laughs> they've never heard this story. So, um, you know, yeah, I think you all know what a rave is. And so I tried all kinds of things and was with all kinds of people and saw all kinds of horrible things and did all kinds of horrible things. And my life just went down, 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 down. And um, I kind of hit rock bottom in 1999. I was living in Austin, and I think I was going to community college, and I was going to transfer to UT at the time, and my grades weren't good enough. Like, I'd gone from, like, you know, Spanish Honor Society in high school and AB Honor Roll to this lost, lost, very troubled girl. And I was the girl that people were afraid to witness to. Um, this, uh, like, you looked at me, like, I used to wear the big jinkos. Like, it was pared down in this picture. Like, I, I, I think they weren't giant jinkos at the time, but that's what I used to live in. And, you know, um, but I was invited to this church uh, by a friend of mine. And before, I think, it might have been right before you started the church, you were at the Baltimore house and you were having like a youth night or something. And and Pastor Daryl was talking about, um, he was talking about God in a way that I felt about God, but I have never told anybody. I had never talked to anybody about these thoughts in my mind. And he said them out loud. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Okay. And he was doing House of Judgment and I was used to be in theater. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I can try for House of Judgment. Like, I'm so amazing. I'm this great theater person. And and I was practicing in front of some friends and I was horrible. And I, I, I was so embarrassed and I'd never been embarrassed before. Like, I just like came to the end of myself and I went home and I was trying to practice this monologue. And I had heard these things about God and God had just put these seeds in my heart and people had been praying for me apparently. And so um, I went home and it was like two o'clock in the morning and I was trying to say this monologue and I finally just gave up because like the words wouldn't even come out of my mouth. And I just looked up at the sky and I just said, in all honesty, with nothing left, I just said, please help me. Man, I haven't thought about it in a long time. And um, that's, that was my prayer. Please help me. And this tiny mustard seed of faith. And I took a deep breath and tried the monologue again. And the whole thing just came out. Just amazing. Like it just came out. And I was like, <gasps> And I looked up and this giant blue star fell out of the sky. Now, it wasn't a star, of course. It was like a meteor or whatever you call it. But it was bright and it was blue. And I felt at that moment, like God was like, welcome home. And uh, after that, my life dramatically changed because I chose different things. I chose him and I felt empowered to choose him and look for him. And my life didn't magically come together after that. Like I was still making dumb choices for a couple years and I still make dumb choices today. Um, but basically I visited this church and um, I just kept coming. 
And God started to transform my life, and I started to devour the Word. And I stopped dating for like four years. I was like, I'm just, you know what? Like, I'm fasting that. I'm giving it up. I'm, I, I'm different. I can't be the same anymore. And I asked for the Holy Spirit, and it felt like hot oil poured on my head. And, and I share those kind of things because I don't want you to think that it has to feel a certain way. You know, God is so different with all of us and he's so personal and he's so close and he wants to be so close to you. And um, since then, he's made all these promises to me. Um, He's poured out so much love and so much grace and so much blessing in my life. I have this amazing husband. Sorry, it's my birthday. People are calling me. (laughs) Sorry, it's my brother. (laughs) I'm gonna call you back. Um, I have my amazing sons, Ransom and Isaac, who are such huge blessings to me and fulfillment of promises. <laughs> and um, I'm starting to ramble, but I wanted to share a verse that God gave to me about my work because since I've become a Christian, I feel like he's putting me in positions that I don't have any natural talent for at all. Like I grew up in theater and I did all this great these fun things, and I love theater, I love being characters, and then he decided to put me in IT. I, I've been in IT for five years, and I'm still just like, why? Why? And, but, like, there's this giant gap between me and everyone else at work, but, like, that's the gap that God fills up, and he glorifies himself through so many things like where our weaknesses that's where he can be great and reveal himself and that's what I want the most is to reveal him with my life and to glorify him with my life and so I've been at my job for 20 years and I've been at this church for 24 now 24 years and so I was praying about my job and what I was supposed to do and why I'm in IIT and um, I was given this verse Um, by the Holy Spirit, I believe, in faith. And I think it applies to our church. And I wanted, I believe that he wanted me to share this. And so this is Revelation 3, 1 through, let's see. Sorry, 3, 7. Okay, and this is to the church in Philadelphia. Now at at work, we've had multiple layoffs over the years. In 20 years, I mean, that's gonna happen and I've survived all of them. And there's been times where I was sure that it was gonna be me next and it wasn't me. And there's times in IT where I come up short and I don't know what I'm talking about, but I've learned a lot. And so this is a verse that he gave me that I've shared with some of my girls here. And I believe that this is where we are now in our church. And I say this to you, Pastor Daryl and Pastor Craig, and to these people here to encourage you because I have needed encouragement for a while now. And I've been through a dry period. I've been through depression. I've been through really tough times. And I know that all of us have been through those tough times. We've been through times where we don't know who we are, that we're looking for identity in how we look or who we're with, who our friends are, what we're doing. Our identity comes from Christ. And if it doesn't come from Christ, come from Christ, your life is meaningless. It's futile. You're not going to find hope anywhere else. And I say that having been a Christian for 24 years, that at the beginning, I was that annoying Christian that wore everybody out with my excitement. Like I was in everybody's face all the time. I was stood up at work all the time and I had my Bible open. I was like, guess what? Guess what I just read? And that was great for a while. And that went down and you know, your emotions are going to change. Your life's going to change. But Our faith must be in him and not in our circumstances. And so all that to say, 
I got this verse recently. It's to the church in Philadelphia. This is Revelation 3, 7, uh, NIV. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed you before an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. That's Revelation 3, 7 through 10. And so I just, uh, that is an encouragement to me because there's times where I know that our church has struggled and we've wondered what's going to happen next. How are we going to pay our bills? Why am I still at the same job? What's going on? And sometimes I think it's a grace that we don't know what's going to happen because then we don't think that we're going to bring it about ourselves. Like we have to trust God. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to share my testimony today and to be reminded of how much God has done in my life and how many amazing things. And so I encourage you to hold on because I feel like we're at a precipice right now as a church and we're staying there ready to just go in. And so I encourage you all to know that you aren't grasshoppers. We are not grasshoppers. We are the chosen. We are the remnant. We're here. If you're visiting and you're here, amen. We're about to go, okay? Get ready. I'm telling myself this too because I've been really discouraged. But God is so good, so faithful. And so thank you for listening. I love you all. Amen. So, um, you know, Heather's heard me say this before, but in transition, Craig is going to share next. But Heather represents the reason I started this church. And I don't mean I personally, right? But I sat out uh, on the balcony of my apartments um, and I was in transition. Heather's talking about transition. And I was in transition at that point in time. And uh, I said, I would like to start a church for people that don't necessarily like to go to church, right? something that's not overly religious. And at the time, I was thinking of my mom because she got dragged to church a lot when she was a kid, and it was just not not a good experience. And to this day, she just doesn't feel comfortable in any church anywhere. And I thought, I want to have that church that anybody can just come in and feel like, hey, man, you know, I'm welcome here, and it's cool. Well, there was a fellow sitting out on my balcony with me who uh, works with several people in this room. His name is Paul Collins. And he said, there's this girl that I was dating. And that is the kind of church that she needs to have. And guess what? Heather is the first fruit of this church because she got saved right after she started coming. She was baptized, and she's not the only story. It's just these two people have birthdays today, and I thought, what a better opportunity, especially on the heels of talking about the woman at the well and her testimony, than to let them share their testimony. So this other character I've known even longer, uh, go ahead and put that picture up. All right, 
So this little guy with the haircut over here in the far left, that's Craig Stephen Wilson. And this weirdo, I don't even, I don't think I ever wore this jacket except that one time in that picture. It's just a weird jacket, all right? Um, so I met Craig when he was Craig and Rachel's daughter's age. I met Rachel when she was Craig and Rachel's daughter's age, Jubilee's age, exactly that age. And he's 12 or 13 there. That's uh, in the early days. However, I have something even more exciting. I have a video. Now, I cut this together from a lot of pieces of video that I had on old high eight tape and so forth. And I did it about a decade ago when Craig was our youth minister. So you're going to see stuff in there that you know, talks about Mr. Wilson and so forth. He, remember, he used to work as a math teacher at North Garland High School, okay? So with those things in mind, roll that tape. So where is Craig? I thought he was going to share. and I don't, Oh, he's way in the back. <laughs> he's hiding. May I present to you the inimitable Craig Wilson. All right. So let me translate online because there's a whole bunch of people who have no idea what just happened. So my mother was just talking because um, she'll just talk whenever she wants. We're all just in her world. Uh, but she was, she was competent because apparently there were some people with their own interesting haircuts uh, making fun of, of, of my all black hair. And it is, it's funny, but it's sad. My uh, grandparents, my mother's parents for their anniversary many years ago, at that time, wanted this picture of all the grandkids. And so we're all in there and there's me with that black hair, which is awesome. I also got pulled over. Uh, that was right at, I think I was 16 when I had that black hair and the black nails, which was not me at all. Like that was, that's when I was in high school when I was very straight laced, uh, just did everything exactly how you're supposed to do it. Um, and I got pulled over with that. And I had the, the police officer at North Garland High School, as I walked in the cafeteria, grabbed my arm and yanked me back and said, you need to get rid of that. And at the time, I just was like, okay. And now I realize just what a, what a, how offensive that was. But at the time, I was like, yeah, I should probably get rid of that. But that was just for house of judgment. And those of you who I, I, I feel like, man, there's so much that probably should be said because some of you in here are like, what was that? Uh, it was an awesome ministry that Pastor Daryl started in the colony when he was a youth minister there before he came and was a youth minister and associate pastor at Freeman Heights Baptist Church and then has continued, not necessarily in that iteration, but in some of the dramatic things that we've done, um, the Inferno and other things here. How many of you in this room have gone through or walked through House of Judgment? All right, some of you. Oh, it's like we're at a wedding, only this side apparently. Okay. Uh, one person over here. Okay. All right. Um, but uh, it was a great ministry. It was a profound ministry. I, 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 this isn't necessarily part of my testimony, but I want you to, to hear it. I want to say the 88,000 is what's in my head. Is that right? The went through. Over 100,000 people went through the House of Judgment over the years. And 10%? Yeah. Made professions of faith, so an incredible ministry um, that would never have happened without that man right there. Um, yeah, you can clap for that. You can clap for that. 
because uh, it was very unique, and it, I still get questions all the time. In fact, somebody asked me about this a couple weeks ago. I get questions all the time like, hey, when will we do that again? Um, and it's quite an undertaking. That's all I can say. It's quite an undertaking. Um, but so I can't, I don't, I don't have a memory of that picture. And by the way, that, that's Wes Slaughter that's in between right there, um, who's uh, been a part of our church uh, here and there over the years. Um, I don't know that exact, that exact time, but I do know about when that happened in my life. I met Daryl in, I, it's either October of November. I think it's November, actually. It was November of 92, I believe that's right. I think that's right. Fast forward a year later, in March, we're about to go on our first ski trip, and we're going to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico, if I remember correctly. And so that's March of 93. So that's right before I turned 13. So I've only, uh, yeah, I've known Daryl not very long, um, but well, at, at that point. But I want to, um, for again, those of you who didn't hear, that was my mother interrupting again. So <laughs> the count is at two. Let's see where we end up. No, I'm just joking. You're always welcome to interrupt me. Without her, this church probably doesn't exist. Uh, and I do mean that because she was on the search committee that hired Daryl at Freeman Heights Baptist Church. So uh, there needs to be an applause there for that lady and her faithfulness. Um, so Daryl probably made a mistake. Heather should have gone uh, after me. Her, her, her testimony is, is far more interesting. Um, but I will share a little bit about what led to that moment. So I've been going to church since I was about two, went to Freeman Heights Baptist Church. You saw in that video a person that was very important in my life when I was younger, and that was my best friend, Scott. He was the pastor's kid. The pastor, Larry Venable, is still over there. And as Daryl indicated, Scott's now a pastor of a church here in DFW um, and just a very good pastor. If you've ever had the chance to hear him speak, got a great heart for the Lord and for lost people. Um, and... Uh, went to that church. Uh, I think Rachel and I, we've been trying to figure this out. We've known each other since we were about three or four. Don't really have a memory of her until about first, second, third grade, somewhere in there. Um, and as you could see, she was a hottie from very early on. And it was, I was always, I always, always was attracted to her and thought she was amazing and still do to this day. And, um, but uh, so, for time's sake, I'm going to try to, you know, um, telescope, telescope here and, and squint some things together. But so when I was in seventh grade at Bussey Middle School, which is uh, right over there next to Fremont Baptist Church, um, some interesting things were happening in my life. So my mother, who was really my champion when I was a little kid, she was getting married to a guy named Bill who ended up being an awesome man and very kind to me. But at the time, I just saw him as a new man coming into my life, all right? Um, a stepdad, all right? And that conjures up all sorts of ideas, right? And so that was, that was going on. My brother, who was my hero in so many ways, uh, was... Uh, like a father figure, was the perfect older brother. And I mean that. Uh, he wasn't the older brother that picked on me. He was the older brother that on a Friday night, instead of going out and doing something fun, would hang out with my best friend Scott and I and make these elaborate games. You ever see the show American Gladiator? The original? 
all right? The, the one with the bad haircuts and people on steroids. Um, and that's just the women, but the men were scary too. He would recreate that for us on a Friday night. Like he would just get it. And it was so elaborate and cool. And we did the summer Olympics one time, like playing music on my saxophone. And my friend Scott's got this, this thing of newspaper lit on fire. And my brothers made all this stuff happen. Just an amazing older brother. Well, he went off to college. So he left. My sister, who we had kind of a complicated relationship uh, when, I, when I was growing up. Now, uh, we're, we have a good relationship. But she ran away from home. And uh, my dad, um, who is always supportive, uh, my biological father was always supportive and always a part of our life, but I didn't see him very often. And during that time, uh, we weren't necessarily very close. We became cl- a lot closer when I was in high school. We would go and watch movies every Saturday night together and spend a lot of time together. But at that point in my life, I, I felt utterly alone. All the people that were valuable to me that had put an impact or made an impact in my life were leaving. Uh, mother getting married, uh, my father not really seen, my brother left uh, to school and my sister had run away from home. And I had my first girlfriend, this girl named Regina, all right? Uh, she was in eighth grade. I was in seventh grade. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That, that hair, that hair worked a little bit sometimes. And you're like, well, Hey, there's something positive. No, that actually highlighted a lot of insecurities because it was one of the most ridiculous relationships you could possibly imagine. Here's what I mean. I think I asked her to marry me. That's like how I got her to, to, to go out. And you're like, hey, that's a pretty good line. That, well, that was it. Because after that, it was one of those things where we would talk on the phone. Well, actually, we didn't talk. We would just listen to each other, kind of just sit there, breathe, not knowing what to say. And because she was in eighth grade, she had a lot of friends and a lot of these bigger eighth grade guys. And so at school, I never talked to her. I would just kind of look at her across from band. She played at the other end. She was a clarinet player. So she was on the other end of the band. And so I just kind of look at her and we'd smile and that was it. And I just, uh, I just, yeah, it was not a, it was, it was nothing. It just kind of really highlighted insecurity is what it was is because I felt so weak, small, inferior. And so nothing was really going right. And I just felt totally alone. And even though I had gone to church since I was two, I didn't really have a relationship with Christ. When I was seven, I remember there was an altar call and I cried because I felt a need. And I think, and I legitimately did feel a need like there was a God-shaped hole in my life and I wanted that. And I went down and I prayed. And, and it's not that that wasn't sincere, but I don't know what really occurred there because I still felt totally alone. Well, Daryl was, was um, uh, he had befriended me and after school at Bussy, I would walk across the park to Freeman Heights where he was at. And he would talk, talk with me, ask me about my day. And he would take me home like every day. We watch Annie Maniac sometimes in the afternoon. If y'all don't know what that is, you're young. And if you do know what that is, you know, it's awesome. But we would watch that and just, he became an important figure of my life at that time because I felt totally and utterly alone. Well, March, I don't know the exact date, but we're getting ready to go on this ski trip. And um, what I would do often at that time is I would just hang out up at the church. And so before everybody showed up to leave, I was just walking around and I just felt totally alone and just hopeless. You know, I mean, I was only, it's only seventh grade. And, and so I, I didn't have the most mature way of expressing that, but I just know that I felt like 
Everybody that I thought I had was gone. And so I just was down and he saw that. And so he started talking to me and he asked me a question that if you've been around Daryl for very long, this is a question that he asked people. He's like, who is Jesus to you? Didn't ask if I believed. He just, he wanted to get me to talk. He's like, well, who's Jesus to you? And I had an answer because I'd been raised in church, but I didn't have the answer because it was just a, it was a guy, it was a man. It was, you know, Lord and Savior, but not my Lord and Savior necessarily. And so he gave me an opportunity to change that. So right there at the altar, right at the front of Freeman Heights Baptist Church in their sanctuary when nobody was there, because I was up there just hanging out waiting for everybody else, uh, I prayed and I made that step of faith. And that, I don't know what happened at seven necessarily, but I know right then, uh, 12 about to be 13 in March of 1993, that that's when I, I called out, knew I was calling out to Jesus and asked him to be my Lord. And since then, life has been perfect. Um, not at all, not at all. Uh, life's been very hard since then. And I know when I say that, that's a ridiculous statement given all the blessings that I have because I have been blessed. I ended up amazingly getting the girl that I'd always wanted all along that had just never worked out. We got married and we have four amazing kids and I'm at a church that I don't deserve, have a job I don't deserve. I am blessed, but it's been rough. It's been especially rough the last few years, but I can say this, that coming to Christ, there's that assurance that I'm not alone. And that's what I want to communicate to you is that when, when you believe in Jesus, the world wants to rip you apart. And that's why it's an utter lie to say that the Christian way is the easy way, the happy way, the bright way, all this stuff. No, that's all a lie. It is the better way. But it's the better way because you're with the better God, the only God, the true God. And you're not alone. And that's what I want to leave with you, that you're never alone. When you believe in Jesus, you're never alone. Have you noticed that my phone has not gone off, by the way? I, Heather said that all these people are calling her. I haven't gotten one phone call. I'm not, I'm, I, she's at church? Are you, oh, you're right. My only friends are here. Tia's right. I got you, Tia. That's cool. They're all here. We're looking at you, Craig. Why would we call? All seven of your friends are right here. I can count them. So I was talking about being alone, uh, but yeah, you're never alone. And I want, I want to leave that with this church. Yeah, that's funny. I can feel it vibrating in my pocket. Good one. Good job. Good job on that one. Walked right into that one. Uh, but you're not alone. You're not alone. And I want to tell you why you're not alone. Not only are you not alone because God is with you. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God, the same spirit that how many ever billions of years ago was hovering over the deeps of the earth. That spirit dwells with you. The same spirit that overshadowed Mary, that allowed our Lord to be incarnate, is with you. The same spirit that shook the room when the disciples met together is with you. The same spirit that we're given a promise that we should never worry about what to say when we are accused or when we are persecuted, that he will always give us the words to use, that spirit is with you.
the spirit that Paul talks about when we don't know what to pray because life sucks so much. When the weight is on you and you find it hard to breathe, but the spirit cries out on your behalf, that spirit is with you. And you're never alone again. Even when you feel it, you're never alone. And so I leave that with you, life well, that um, because of the faith of a woman in obedience on a search committee, the faith of a man to a call, the faith of a woman to stay dedicated to a man even when he didn't deserve it, I stand before you now, never alone again, imperfect, so imperfect and so messed up and so selfish and all of those terrible things that I battle because we still battle the flesh, but never alone in the sight of God, perfect because my God, my Christ, my Lord is perfect. His spirit is within me. That's what I leave with you. That is my testimony. Amen? Amen. Amen. You have a story to tell and there are people that need to hear it. If your story is incomplete, you're still in the BC era. What does BC stand for again? Listen, I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. If you haven't done the deal and confessed Jesus as your Lord, you're still wandering around in the BC, all right? You can be baptized. Um, Maybe you have a bunch of Bible verses memorized. Maybe, you know, all your relatives are Christians. But until you call on the name of the Lord to be saved and confess that he is Lord, you're still in the B.C., You need to come to that point where you're willing to admit that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day, and that he is in your life because you've called out to him and said, Lord, save me. You don't have to pray a long prayer. Uh, Jesus told the story about a Pharisee and a publican. Publican was like a tax collector. And the Pharisee raised his hands toward heaven and looked up and basically talked about himself the entire time and said how thankful he was that he wasn't like other people, especially like this publican in the back of the room. And the publican was back there, not a Republican, but a publican, a tax collector, despised person, was back there with his face on the floor, crying, blubbering. And all he said was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That was the only prayer that the publican prayed. And Jesus said, the son of God said, only one man went out right with God. Guess which man it was. All you got to do is admit your need. Just cry out. Say, I want this to be the first day of the rest of my life. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. Jesus, I open my life to you. We're going to sing some songs, right? And I want that to be a time of worship for you where you put yourself before the Lord. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, okay? Um, I'll be down here. I would love to pray with you if you need to pray with somebody. Pastor Craig will come down here. We would love to pray with you if you need to pray with somebody. But you can also just stand across here. Use this as an altar. You know, bow at your seat. Do whatever you want to do. 
but put yourself before the Lord. I just read a book, and I really like this. Um, and the, one of the main characters in the book talked about how uh, he was led to pray when he was younger that, um, I don't know, did, did, did your parents ever teach you to pray by having you um, get on your knees beside your bed? Anybody ever have that? Okay. Did they teach you to steeple your hands like this? Right? And I love what this guy said, that you're pointing your soul toward God in heaven. I thought, oh, I never, I just thought this was weird. I didn't, you know. Now, we learned this prayer, and you should teach this to your kids, by the way. You know this prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Should I die before I wake? I pray the Lord my soul to take. You know what? That's a salvation prayer. Are you paying attention to it? It really is. I used to pray that prayer every night. That was like, that was the preamble. I would pray that and then I would pray, okay? Teach your kids to pray. But right now, put yourself, steeple those hands, point your soul toward heaven and pay attention to what the Lord is trying to say to you. And if you need some help and you wanna pray with us, uh, we would be happy to do that, all right? Let's enter into a time of worship. If you would like to give us feedback, uh, you can go to our website, lifewillchurch.com, and you will find uh, on the main page, there's a feedback tab, and you can click that. You can fill out that form. Uh, you can give us feedback. You can ask for prayer requests, all sorts of things like that. I hope that you are able to do this. We have a text service uh, that I use to send out information on our church throughout the week. And uh, basically, all you need to do is text the word LIFEWELL, from your phone to 94000. And if you do that, it'll drop you into that news text list. And you'll get a couple of those texts uh, from us every week.